everyone to the Leading Wyoming podcast. We are so honored to be joined today by Trustee Kermit Brown, who's with us here in Laramie. We have heard from Trustee Brown several times in our Laramie and Cheyenne sessions about his many experiences across the legislature and in leadership positions. And so we wanted to take a minute to share some of those with a broader alumni audience. So first up, tell us a little bit. So in Laramie this year, you talked about learning in public, what it means to be able to be open to new information, to be to be capable of changing your mind or changing your opinion. Uh, where have you learned that? Where have you used that? Where does that serve you? Well, I'm reminded of the legislature. I learned it a lot of places, but I'm really reminded of the, the school for new legislators, which is so funny because <clears throat> I sat in that school and listened to them, and basically what they're saying is, you know, you can't overreact to something and you can't get mad at people and you have to understand that someday you're going to walk into the Capitol in the morning with a person that killed your bill the night before but you're on a new bill and, and that person's your new best friend and how do you do that and I just thought it was amusing because that's what attorneys do all the time and attorneys communicate with each other they communicate regarding their clients interests and they find ways to, uh, to to make back channels and to get work done and you just learn over time when you do that you're not always right and you learn that over time and you know I'm reminded <clears throat> James Baker was here one time and gave a speech and he said you know during the height of the Arab crisis when it was the absolute worst he said we still had a back channel we could talk to he said we were talking to the Arabs all the time mm -hmm. And I thought that was really a great lesson. And so you just learn that over time. Now, I've seen some people in the legislature that never learned that lesson. And they usually go home frustrated and say that you can't get anything done down there or it's too bureaucratic or it's this or it's that or the other thing. The reason they can't get anything done is because they can't find alternative ways to communicate with people that have different ideas and work something out. And I won't say compromise, people hate the word compromise, but there's 10 ways to skin a cat. There's always 10 ways to skin a cat. And if you're just stuck on number one to the exclusion of everything else, you're not gonna do well in the legislature, which after all is a problem-solving body. And we're always working on, Dave Nicholas taught me that years ago, you know, in the legislature we're just trying to solve problems. As a group, one at a time, and there's always more than one way to solve a problem. And I don't think that's compromise. I think that's finding alternative ways to, to uh, get to a solution. I think maybe in the landscape today, there's a sentiment that at least nationally and, and maybe locally here in Wyoming too, that it's getting more difficult to have those kinds of conversations where someone's personal worth or value is separated from their ideas or their opinions and there's more of kind of wholesale. If someone says something I don't like, then I don't like that person. That seems like that's the sentiment that it's changed in the last 10 or 15 years. Do you think it has? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So, in the legislature, in the courtroom for that matter, if, if number one, you have to understand there's a problem that you're trying to find a solution to. In the courtroom, the judge is gonna be the ultimate arbiter, but. Believe me, if you really want to make friends with the judge, you and the other attorney, you will come to some 
some rough agreement that the judge can attach to and impose mm -hmm. in, in a decree. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and it's the same way in the legislature, it's problem solving. So there are different ideas, there are different philosophies. There's all these undercurrents, cross-currents running through the legislature that you never think about. There's gender-based cross-currents, there's religion-based cross-currents, there's pure political cross-currents, and, the, and the, you know, you can go on and on and on about how many cross It used to fascinate me to sit up there on the dais and just watch people and try to think, you know, who's aligned with who and why, and, and what's going on here. And so I think if you're going to solve a problem, you have to stay on the problem. Mm -hmm. That's what you have to talk about is the problem. And so another thing I tell people, and I, I, I give quite a strident speech to my friends, some of my friends on the Board of Trustees about this, you have to understand that you're going to say something stupid once in a while. And some people are going to say more stupid things than other people. That doesn't mean that you denigrate that individual uh, personally. That doesn't mean that you call them names or that you, uh, or that you start saying things about them. You take that, what they say, and if it's stupid, it's stupid. So just accept the fact that that was said, it's not going to fit, it's not something that you're interested in. Just go on by it and stay on the problem. Don't divert over and start directing your anger and your, and your, your, your bias at the individual. Let's leave the individual out of it and let's get on with the problem and see if we can find a solution. And I've told people before, there's a reason in the legislature you can't use somebody's name. And there's a reason for that because it's not about the individual. And so you can say the representative from district such and so, and one time we had a guy, Dave Edwards, who was a representative from Douglas, and he was a Navy captain, he had over a thousand carrier linings. And uh, one day somebody said something about the guy had a thousand and seventy-eight carrier linings. I said, yeah, but he had a thousand and seventy-nine takeoffs, because they left one in the Gulf of Tonkin. <laughs> but the point is, that you don't use people's names because you it's not to be personalized. That's not what it's about. It's about the problem. And wouldn't it be a shame if some of that stuff got started in the legislature and there was a lot of animosity and it got personal and some people were trying to bully others around and some were intimidated and some weren't. And then I've seen it when we get in these big discussions in the legislature. Sometimes people are standing two and three deep at each of the four podiums waiting to speak and we're all trying everybody's got their idea but it's focused on the problem and I have seen before I've seen somebody get up sometimes not the most gifted person in the legislature and just say something and just shoot a silver bullet right through the whole deal and everybody just says okay I guess we can go on to the next problem that one's under control mm -hmm. and wouldn't it be a shame how would it serve the people of the state of Wyoming if that individual were so intimidated from bullying and from personal denigration that they just elected not to get up and provide the answer to the problem. How does that serve the people of the state of Wyoming? Yeah, I think it, it makes sense. Um, I think in the world today it seems that there's there it's becoming difficult or maybe it's always been difficult to on a day-to-day -day basis have have those conflicts and have them stay neutral or have them stay non-personal and I think there's kind of a, a two-fold approach or so this is something I've been thinking about a lot because I think we see it all around us and there's sort of this side of, of maybe trying not to be offended when something is said that is not what you agree with or maybe threatens your re relevance perhaps I think that's something that can feel threatening 
Um, and then there's the side of engaging in a, in a civil way, or as our friend from leadership programming, Tom Scott, used to say, being disagreeable, or being, being able to disagree without being disagreeable. So I'd be curious, maybe just on a personal thought level, not necessarily legislature or trustees, how do you think an individual develops both sides of that, of kind of choosing not to be offended when the low blows start to happen, and being able to engage in a neutral or non-personal way? I think it's really a test of how smart you are sometimes. And I think you have to be smart. And, uh, and it, you know, my wife and I talk about people sometimes and we say, well, I wouldn't go camping with that individual. <laughs> or I would, and I know, I know some people around that I vehemently disagree with. And I love to argue with them. And I would go camping with them. And we would argue for days. Mm -hmm. And it would be great. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I learn a lot. Some people don't, I think, because they get parked on the wrong thing. I learn a lot from arguing. Mm -hmm. And and so I think that uh, that it, to some extent you either have that personality or, or you don't. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't, you just have to understand, you just have to accept the fact that there's a lot of different kinds of people in this world. And there's a lot of different viewpoints and they're not all wrong. And these are not evil people. Mm -hmm. Just because they have a different point of view doesn't mean that they're evil or that they have bad intentions. It's simply their commitment. And so you just have to work your way through it. And, the, and, and a lot of them I would go camping with, and some of them I'm kind of scared to turn my back on and walk away. And, uh, and I suppose we all feel that way. But you have to learn how to have a discussion. Mm -hmm. And I have some great friends in the legislature with whom I couldn't disagree more, but they're great friends. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a great example of that. We had a lot of arguments in the legislature over and over and over again, ad nauseum, about conservation easements. Mm -hmm. And then I had some arguments out, on the, out on, the, on the road around the state with an individual who, who was hired by an organization. And then I would, always, I would be there in many instances, and this individual said, conservation easements are forever, and they're bad because because they're forever. And I don't know how many times I waited through that. And one day I was sitting there and I heard this argument again and I thought, you know, you're right. They are forever. And the city of Cheyenne's forever. And I said to myself, and I ended up saying on the floor of the legislature, no elk will ever go lay down in the middle of the city of Cheyenne somewhere and take a nap again. From which I was bestowed the name Resting Elk. <laughs> If you ever hear that, that's where really? that came from. But really, after, after I don't know how many times I'd heard that argument, we'd argued over and over again, and I thought, you know, that's right. Mm -hmm. And the habitat fragmentation and the, the encroachment of the city out into the country is forever. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and isn't it equitable on take a, uh, looking out for the wildlife, isn't it equitable to have some countervailing forever sanctuary where wildlife can be preserved. So there's a, there's a great argument. And I mean, we argued tooth and nail over that time and time again, before it finally dawned on me. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean when I say you can learn by arguing. And after I came up with that argument, I never saw anybody really try me again because they knew, they knew I had them on that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, let's maybe switch gears to your work as a trustee, and it's a it's a tough job with a lot of stakeholders, and you're in a leadership position. And so, how do you think about creating a space that people can come and share comments and share opinions, and get work done that has to be done? It it might be the greatest test of this of this concept of tolerance mm -hmm. that I've ever been involved in, and it runs in so many directions. And you know, the great thing about the university, these are smart people. They are. They're really intelligent people. And they have, they have some ideas that I consider to be cockamamie ideas, but they're very capable of articulating them in, a, in an intelligent way. And so it's just, to me, it's just the next level above practicing law and then working with the Bar Association with all kinds of attorneys who can be pretty articulate. Then I go to the legislature, now I get to the university, and it just seems like it's the next rung up the ladder in terms of, of people and people problems. And so I really enjoy it, but, but you're right, it's quite a challenge. And, uh, and sometimes you have to, I really enjoyed that speaker this morning about uh, uh, his, a guy from the War College about the Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 and, uh, and I'm kind of a War College fanatic myself anyway, and I, it, just some of the things he said made a lot of sense. But as a trustee, I think, I think the charge is to keep the university headed somewhere. It's, it's, it's the strategic part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are going to be a lot of deviations, and there are going to be a lot of skirmishes, a lot of, of weird little things that go along the way, but, but, but you know, at some point, I think the, the Board of Trustees has to stay above a lot of that stuff that's going on, and it has to really be, have a good vision of what the strategic mission of the university is. And uh, and there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of thought out there right now, uh, 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 sort of downgrading uh, higher education and the value of a college education and all those sorts of things. Well, I don't know exactly where that line lies, one way or the other. But but I'll tell you this: I don't think anybody's going to be president of the United States that didn't go to college. Watch me eat my words, but I don't think so. I just think that. That, that a college education at some level of, of endeavor in this society is essential. And so I, sort of my strategic vision of the university that I always try to keep in my, my mind is that the one thing I'm committed to is I want to see kids come out of the, of the university who are critical thinkers and can go out and make a difference. That's what I really want to mm -hmm. see. That's great. I get pretty emotional about that sometimes too because it can come in so many contexts mm -hmm. and, uh, and it is that, but that's what's really important, or they, uh, that, that they're critical thinkers and that they can go out and make a difference. We have, always have a breakfast or a lunch with students when we're on campus and myself and the whole class is always blown away with what these students have accomplished at the age yep. of 21 or 22, yep. what their plans are, how articulate they are, how smart they yes. are. And I think there's a lot to be proud of. And the, and a lot of them are leaders. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and you know, I learned in the Navy, I, I suppose the Navy was the first leadership structure because I was fortunate enough to be a naval officer. And, uh, and that's probably where I learned my first big dose of leadership. But, that, but they will tell you. So people sort of self-select for college. And they don't all have to be leaders, but 
the, the Navy's philosophy is you're either a leader or you're not. And if you are, but you don't know how to do it, they will enhance your leadership skills and they will make you into a leader. If you're not a leader, then you need to be some other places. There are other places in the university for those kind of people. Certainly, there are people around here that are so smart and they do so, so many things. It's just that leadership is a special subset, I think, of the university. And when I see one of them, I just, I love to watch them go. And they do some weird things. Oh my gosh, they do weird things. You think, well, I don't know, okay, maybe by the time you're 36, maybe, uh, maybe you'll glom onto the right rail and go somewhere. You just yeah. never know. But it's fun to watch them. They're fabulous. Yeah, that's wonderful. Two more questions for you. Um, we've talked a lot about what's hard about the landscape right now, what's hard about leadership. What is something about Wyoming that maybe is still the same or maybe about your Laramie community, but what's something that you're proud about this area? You know, we've done something here uh, and the university was only a participant, although we, in, we did end up kind of being the catalyst. But we created this pilot hill. And, and I think 50 years from now, somebody's going to say, I can't believe they ever got that done. Mm -hmm. it's, such a, uh, it's, it's such a unique thing out there. Now, they're doing the same thing in Fort Collins, and they're do they've done the same thing in Boulder, but I don't think it's going to be quite like Pilot Hill. It took a lot of imagination. Uh, when we started, we couldn't figure out how to get it done, and and we we saw, we we modeled we modeled it after a, a a project the Game and Fish had, where they managed to block up some land out on the Laramie Plains called the X Bar, mm -hmm. and uh, and so it took a lot of imagination, a lot of hard work by a lot of people. But I'm really proud of that, and I was only involved in the in the beginning and after we got the thing put together and sort of got it structured, I stepped out because I said, you know, the next step, which is sort of the, the, the within the vision, doing the more the tactical stuff like building the trails and figuring all that, that I'm not really good at that. And I've done the part that I that I think I'm good at. And so I so I stepped out. But I'm really proud of that project. And so now you can get on a bicycle. In fact, I just talked to somebody that did it. You can get on a bicycle in downtown Laramie and ride to Kirk Gowdy State Park mm -hmm. and not be trespassing and not be and be, be on established trails all the way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's pretty unique. And I think, you know, the real, the real dream would be that the city of Cheyenne finishes their work on the Belvedere Ranch and then Fort Collins brings their land acquisitions, which they're working on up, and someday you might be able to get on a bike in, in Laramie and ride to downtown Fort Collins. Mm -hmm. That would be really cool. Yeah, take a little while, but yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, kind of in that same legacy mindset, you've had such an incredible career and so much influence across your military service, attorney, partner, legislative, now trustee. What are things that you hope your legacy is represented by in many years to come? I hope it's... I hope it, it just boils down to one thing, critical thinking and, and tolerance. And if, if, if we can maintain that in the state of Wyoming, you know, we talk about one Wyoming, we talk about we're all the same. We do have some advantages in Wyoming. One advantage that we have is we don't have a front range like they have in Colorado that, that's now, that's now going to drive a civil war, for instance, imposing wolves on on the western slope. That, that's, that, those are just incompatible. 
and you have the same thing in Utah. You have the same thing, and you have even in even in Nebraska. You know, I I had a guy tell me one time. I think he's probably right. He said, you know, there's a street in Lincoln, Nebraska, and half the population of Nebraska lives on one side, and half lives on the mm -hmm. other side. Well, if you look at how geographically skewed that makes, mm -hmm. and I've heard complaints in Western Nebraska that, that they get no attention. Well, in Wyoming. We don't really have that. We're pretty uh, homogenous population. There are some disparities in wealth, but uh, uh, not like there are in those places. And so with a state like that, can we do some things, can we make some progress that maybe other states can? Can we figure out a way to talk to each other, I mean really talk to each other on a, on a level basis? And can we be respectful of each other's ideas and can we say, you know, this is our state, and we're going to take it where we want to go, and uh, and there are going to be some people on both fringes who are going to be unhappy some of the time, but maybe not all the time, and uh, and and can we continue to do that? We've got some special opportunities in Wyoming. I think one of them is in education, and we we talk about that. They talk about that over in the in the in the uh, education college a lot. That that maybe. We have an opportunity to rewrite the way that education is delivered to in, in the K through 12, and and there's some other things. Someday we're probably going to have to have a discussion about taxes. We're going to put it off. We're going to procrastinate, put it off as long as we can. But someday, I think this well is going to go dry. It'll probably be after we aren't here anymore, but it's going to go dry at some point, and so. We have a state where we might be able to find people from the four corners of the state and everywhere in between who could sit down and say, you know, we got a problem. We got to solve it. So let's talk about what kind of a state do we want to be? How many services do we want to provide? And I mean, it'll be roughshod. It won't be that pure. But, but, in, but what are they really talking about? What kind of a state do we want to be? What kind of services do we want to provide? What kind of lifestyle do we want to have? How many people do we want around here? And then uh, maybe we can make some decisions in a way that a lot of states can't. You know, I, I mean, everybody knows everybody in this state. This old saying about it's a, it's a small town with long streets is really true. And so that would be my hope. If we could do that, we would be a great state. And people, we'd be the envy of everybody. Well, thank you. I think certainly the work you have done around Wyoming represents those two things. I have Critical tried. Thinking. I've tried. Tolerance. So yeah. thanks for sharing your yeah. time with us. Yep, yeah. you're welcome. Happy to do it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. The Leading Wyoming podcast is made possible thanks to the generous support of our all-in sponsors, DAP, CPA, Genesis Alkali, Hilltop Bank, Jonah Bank, and Rocky Mountain Power.